Yeah, you know what that means? That means it's time for another interview here on the WCHL podcast. And it's our pleasure to have the president of the ACHA, Mr. Paul Hebert. So let's get right to it and talk to Paul Hebert. Here we go. Hey, this is the WCHL Podcast, and I am the Commissioner Christopher Perry, and it's our honor this morning to have a very special guest on this podcast. It's the ACHA President, El Presidente de la ACHA, Mr. Paul Hebert. Paul, thanks for uh, joining us this morning, and uh, I apologize in advance for any uh, audio issues. They're all my fault. I I take the blame. Good morning. Good morning, Chris. How are you doing? Um, uh, it's early. What the heck? Yeah, it is early. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's you and you're just too relentless. I tried to dodge this, uh, this interview many times, so <laughs> I just figured it's easier to get it out of the way than, than keep dodging you. So. Hey, that, that's probably the most truthful thing you'll say all <laughs> podcast long. So I appreciate that. I know, I know your 12 fans are dying to hear what I have to say this morning. <laughs> you, you know what, you know what the deal is? I, I've, I've talked with coaches and I've talked with the players in the ACHA and they're like dude you know we, we've heard enough of this stuff let's <laughs> let's you know how does the ACHA, ACHA actually work how you know who are yeah. the people that talk let's get some different folks on and so that's why I leaned on you and Mr. Barnett and Mr. Giacomucci and hey surprisingly the great communicator himself has said he'll come on yeah it's a, it's a great question I'd like to answer those questions as well so <laughs> If you have any, if you have any insight, that would be fantastic. So. Well, you, you've been the president since 2016, and you still haven't figured it out. Is that what we're hearing? Yeah, that's exactly what we're hearing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but well, no, it's been it's been uh, it, it's been a challenge. I mean, there's 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 goods and there's bads, as you know. You you've been on the inside with me, and you you see how the sausage gets made, and it's it's not always great, and um, but it's been better as of late. So. Uh, you know, we can we can talk about that more. But uh, I think for you, I mean, congratulations on you. I think you finally reached the bottom of the barrel with your with your interviewee. So um, <laughs> actually, I think you might have to look up to see the bottom of the barrel at this point. Oh, geez. Listen, yeah. don't quit it. Quit it. See, this is this is why you're so politically good, because you, you're so humble and you're so, oh, oh shucks. Yeah, and, then, yeah, well, and then before you know it, you've got a couple of knives right in your ribs. Yeah, I know. My, my goal is to to be the guy behind the curtain, so I don't I, I don't want to be the guy out in front. But okay, here we go. No, well, hey, the, the lucky thing for you is, like you said, nobody listens, right? We have fourteen <laughs> listeners. They're all in yeah. Springfield, Missouri. So, <laughs> no, not a problem. All right, you've been the. Uh, you, I've, I've looked up your your little bio here, and surprisingly, the bio for you on your Super East Collegiate Hockey League website is much better than the bio for you on your own ACHA website. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit more detailed. So, uh, played hockey in, in, at Siena until 93 when you graduated, three mm-hmm. years as an assistant, then you became the head coach, went to nationals five times, got two conference championships, you're the high muckety-muck there at Siena. What is it? Are you originally from Albany, or did you just go to Albany for school and decide to stay there? Yeah, no, I'm... I'm- I'm from Albany, uh, born and raised. I'm still here. Um, you know, so I, I guess my, my entry into the ACHA, I, you know, I, I graduated from high school. Um, I went two years to West New England college. I played in the NCAA division three out there, which at the time was the ECAC South. It was actually really good hockey. Um, but it was, it was, it was amazing. The, uh, the lack of support and, you know, both in terms of 
finances and, and, and fans that the, that the school actually received. Uh, so I had enough of that. And then I transferred to Siena for my final two years. So I actually stopped playing hockey, you know, after I transferred and, uh, the, the coach at the time, Siena college, a guy by the name of Pat Sheridan is no longer with us. He kept calling me similar to you and just kept calling me, calling me. And I said, all right, he goes, well, why don't you just come out and take a look and, uh, see what you think. So, you know, one day we were, my, my girlfriend and I, who's now my wife, we were driving by and I said, hey, let's just stop over and see what they have. And, um, you know, I walked into, it was a brand new arena and the stands were packed and, you know, they, they had matching uniforms and, uh, there's a lot of energy in the building. I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is club hockey because, you know, I had the same impression of club hockey. Like most people do that, that, that don't know what the ACH is and the ACH didn't exist at the time, but, um, I just thought it was going to be this intramural pickup league would, you know, everybody wearing different colored helmets and pants and gloves and, uh, you know, the whole nine yards. So I, I was, I was really impressed with, with what I saw in terms of, you know, just the facility and, and the crowd and the, and the, the organization of the program. I was like, okay. So I started getting more involved and, you know, the coach actually, I, I actually decided to come out and play for that second semester. And, um, you know, I got into it from there and it was, uh, I guess the rest of they say is, uh, because I was a local, the, the coach asked me to to be the assistant, um, which quickly turned into the head coach because <laughs> the coach at the time I didn't realize was looking for a way out, and I was the sucker. So <laughs> I, I seem to fall into that role a lot. Um, oh, poor pitiful Paul. Oh yeah, uh, that's my introduction. But I, again, at the time, Sienna was not part of the ACHA. The ACHA really wasn't. It was just kind of getting going at that time. Okay. Uh, so the following year, um, the head coach got involved with a guy by the name of Tom Keegan, who I'm sure you're familiar with, who was the then the D2. I was a president or commissioner or, or what his role was. Um, and they decided that they were going to host nationals at our rink. Um, so I... I was very skeptical that this was going to happen. I start hearing about all these teams that are going to be coming in and, 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 you know, the Stanford's and I'm, I'm trying to think back to the teams that are here. I know Tennessee was here, Stanford, Calvin, um, Colorado state, Kentucky. Uh, these, these teams are coming from all over the country and you know, Liberty, like who's Liberty? You know, and I knew the only reason that was the first, that was my first introduction into Liberty because you know, I hadn't heard of Liberty at the time. And you have to remember this is, this is pre-internet. Right. Um, so you really didn't know you really know anything about these teams. I just I just had a hard time believing that these teams were actually going to show up at this building and play for a club college national championship. And sure enough, they did. And it was uh, from that point, it was just kind of I was all in on the ACHA, you know. But during that time, I I was kind of working. You know, I said I was I was playing, but I was also working a lot with the coach and doing a lot of the, the behind the scenes stuff. And uh, that's that was my first introduction to Tom Keegan. And, uh, we did a lot of stuff together and I helped him out with doing a lot of things. Cause he was a one man show. He re- literally showed up, you know, 10 minutes before the puck drop for the first game and, you know, everything had to be done. It had to be in place. And, you know, th- so he, he had no staff, he had no help. So I, I kind of wound up spending most of my time during the day, uh, working with him and helping out with whatever, whether it be score box or, uh, you know, admission or whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess that's how I got hooked into the whole ACHA deal. And then, you know, fast forward, I started coaching and ACHA started gaining more and more momentum and 
became the head coach and uh you know the rest of the, as they say the rest is history so I've, I've been i'm still involved with the program i'm um you know i'm the general manager now so i, I help them out with the scheduling and you know the buses and, and i do different things and, and make sure that you know when they have coaching turnover that it's at least the program remains the same or it stays consistent from a from an administrative standpoint which i think is very important oh yeah provides so, some yeah, stability i got my 25 year rocking chair from sienna about three years ago <laughs> i think i'm gonna hang out to 30 i don't know maybe it's a car or something i don't know I'm excited. <laughs> uh, that's, that's pretty a 20 a rocking chair for 25 years it's almost all worth you know, it then isn't it yeah you know i actually had a choice like, do you want a rocking chair or do you want a, a standard chair and i'm like oh, well we might as well go with the old cliche give me the rocking chair right i mean at the time it was I don't know, probably 45, 6, 7, something like that. So I thought it was kind of funny at the time, but, you know, it's actually comfortable. I enjoy it now. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of wild. Uh, When I think of rocking chairs, I think of outside the Cracker Barrel, everything uh, growing up. Yeah, 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 no, it's way nicer than that. I mean, it's engraved and everything. It's it's, it's really nice. So I'm I'm really holding out for 30, so hopefully I can get there. (laughs) Get that car. Very nice. All right. Rocking chair, you know, I don't know. We'll It'll be his and hers, a matching. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, no. All right, so you've uh, helping out with, with Sienna, head coach, then you go on, you move on up to uh, general manager, then you, you're involved with the ACHA at the same time, division two, regional guy, regional coordinator, and then you, uh, what, you're, you're the vice president, and then you get onto the board. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I've, I've done everything in the ACHA. So I've, I've been yeah, you a have. coach, an assistant coach, a general manager. I've done the, the regional coordinator for the ACHA, for the Division Two, And then I became the vice president, uh, sat on the board of directors for, I don't know, 10, 12 years, probably more. Um, Lasted longer than I did, that's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah. And then I, you know. And now you're now you're the president. So I know that you took over from Marshall Stevenson. Marshall, what you're the sixth vice president. You took over in 2016. Um, what? Uh, well, yeah, that's true. I mean, Marshall's Marshall resigned right at the end of 2015, I believe. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so. And you've still got a great relationship with Marshall. I do. Yeah, we talk. We talk a lot. We text a lot. Uh, I saw Marshall last week up in Lake Placid. He's he's actually moved up there full time. Not in Lake Placid. He's about an hour and a half north, but he's got a house on one of the lakes up there, and uh, I think it was passed down from generation to generation. And he's just decided that uh, he had enough of Maryland, and he was moving up there full time. So I, he looked like he was enjoying it. Um, you know, we, it's always a pleasure to see Marshall. You know, we we talk about you know things that we've done in the past and. Um, I know he's still passionate and he still has a lot of questions about the ACHA. He's always concerned with, you know, how it's going and what's going on. And he's still, he still has quite a bit of knowledge. I know he talks to Brian Moran quite a bit and, um, but yeah, he, he said he just, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I mean, he just celebrated his 80th birthday not too long ago. So he was, you know, he looked, he looked great. He's doing well. Um, I think he's happy he made the move up North and I don't know, it's, it's cold and, basically southern canada you know so it's uh it's not bad he's got a nice situation up there that would be so, kind of it, it, getting older you know I'm, I'm thinking of uh moving south to, to get warmer I exactly yeah i can't imagine moving uh from maryland to upstate new york and you know freezing your nuts off jeez uh, <laughs> yeah and it's, it's one of those lake houses too that wasn't 
originally built to be, you know, a four season home. So, uh, but I think over the years they've, they've, they've made a lot of improvements and, you know, insulated it or just got a bigger furnace. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's in a good spot up there. We've had, uh, I've been up there a couple of times now. It's, it's a nice little spot. So well, I'm, really, I'm happy for it. A lot of what you're talking about, though, is the the seamless transition and the providing some stability. Whether it's you as the GM at Siena, now it's you as the president for the ACHA. You wanted to. I, I know we don't need to get into the nuts and bolts, but I know why you took over as the the president of the ACHA, and is because you know you wanted to provide that stability that Marshall had provided for what 12 years to the ACHA when during his reign as the president and you've kind of carried that on over the past what 8 9 years right right all right yeah, well, yeah. I'm <laughs> except for when you except for when you got this dumb secretary or whatever his name was that fat kid from Oklahoma and that was that caused all sorts of problems for you yeah it's all good it's yeah. all good yeah. you know it, dark days Hey, everybody has their opinion how things should be done, and I, I respect everybody's opinion. And people don't want the same things, and I think that's the hardest part of the job is you have to kind of, kind of toe the line and kind of go right down the middle. And sometimes you go too far one way; it's it's the other side starts screaming, and you go too far the other way. And you know, I've learned over the years the best thing to do is just kind of keep it steady and consistent, and try not to make too many drastic changes. I mean, I think. It's, probably was one of my biggest mistakes early on is trying to do too many things too quickly um, and thinking that it was a kind of a one size fits all. And, and I, I think ideally like it would be that way. And I think you would probably agree that, you know, standardization across the divisions probably should be the way to go, but that's not the way it is necessarily in the ACHA. So I've had to learn to deal with that and I've actually kind of embraced it a little bit. And, uh, and I, I'm all for, I mean, I think that's why we have separate divisions and different divisions and they, they do things differently. And I think it's kind of like, I, I heard your podcast with Craig. I was one of the 15, I think, <laughs> and, you know, he, he said it, he said it very well. He said, you know, it's, it's maybe not what he would do or, but it's what the membership wants. And, and, and that's, you know, we have to respect that. And I, and I think it's, I think it's good. I mean, I, you go to a national tournament now and you can see the different, you know, they, they have different formats and, uh, you can see each one, each, you know, each has, you know, their, their pluses and their minuses. I mean, you go to watch the division one game and that single elimination is, is, is super exciting, you know? And, but then you go watch some pool play at D2 and D3 and men's and, and then even in the women's, I mean, they all do things differently. They all have a way of advancing to that final four, uh, which then ultimately becomes a, a single elimination for everybody. Right. So it's, how do you, how do you get from 15, 16 teams down or in division one's case, 20 teams down to that final four. So, um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's pretty neat to see. And, uh, it's, it's cool that you can see it all in one spot now. Uh, so I just, you know, growing up as, as a D2 guy, you know, as a coach and a player, uh, I, you know, we kind of knew things one way and, you know, when I was the vice president of, of the ACHA at division two, you know, the commissioner at the time was a guy by the name of Mike Rodock, which is no longer with us. And we had a great relationship where, you know, cause we both coached against each other. And so we, you know, we kind of came up together and he had a lot of great ideas and we worked together to implement them, you know, the regionals and, you know, we implemented the regionals. We went away from a national ranking to a regional ranking to give, you know, each to give more teams an actual a shot at, at, at making a regional and ultimately 
qualifying for the national tournament if they wanted to. So that was a pretty big step that we did. And it, it took a lot of, you know, it took a lot of phone calls. And because at the time we really, you know, internet was just kind of coming around. Um, so Mike was very good at, you know, the political side of, you know, connecting the teams together and, and getting everybody on the same page. So that was a, that was probably one of the biggest things that we did. And, um, you know, as well as taking the teams to Europe. And then, you know, from that we developed the all-star challenge, which is, which we kind of developed because we, we wanted to see the players, um, that were, that were going here, but we knew there was no way that we were going to be able to see the, you know, the kids from Washington or, or Utah or unless they made, you know, nationals. And so we wanted to create a way that we, and we didn't want to do a tryout. So we wanted to create a way that we could give the kids the opportunity to be seen, to, to be part of that team. So we kind of came up with the, the idea of having an all-star team for each league, letting them do their own thing and bringing it to one spot. So at least now everybody can, can't say that they didn't have the opportunity to be seen. So, and, and, and because of that, the all-star challenge became this, this animal all on its own, which is a really great fun event. If you talk to any coaches or players that are involved with that, they'll all tell you the same thing. It's just a really, really neat event, kind of end of the year, low pressure, um, this, it was a cool event. I, you know, I, I hope at some point we can get back to that real soon. I mean, we're post COVID now, so there's no, there's no reason we shouldn't really get back into that mode. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Mike, uh, yeah. Mike Radakovich was, uh, was, I, I didn't realize that you and Mike, uh, were the guys who created the, the, the regional tournament format there for, uh, for men's division two. That's pretty, I, I didn't realize that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. We, Mike had a lot of ideas, you know, and he had a lot of funny sayings too. And he, he, he would always say, and it's probably true to this point to this day is, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors, Paul. It's all smoke and mirrors. You know, you, you have very limited staff and you have these, just this association that's grown like wildfire, you know, and you're just trying to stay on top of it for as long as you can. And, you know, trying to add more staff and get more people that, that, that understand what you're trying to do is always a challenge for us, you know? So, yep. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. The, that's the challenge of the ACHA, isn't it? Right? There's not a whole lot of people that are willing to step up and do, actually do stuff. Exactly. You know, we, we we do have a lot of great volunteers, and you know, it's just hard to 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 expect that level of uh, you know volunteerism, if you will, uh, every year out of the same people. Um, so you're always looking for people that that want to step in and help out and volunteer, and that's what helps us keep the costs low. Um, so it's, so it's important for us. I mean, I, I think our biggest challenge is, I mean, I, 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 you know, if I can back up a little bit, I, you know, taking the, the role of the president of the, of the ACHA, I never, never in a hundred years would have done it. Um, if, if things hadn't changed, I mean, Marshall and, you know, the guys that came before me, Joe Batista and, and, you know, and even Al Murdoch and, and, Don Spencer. I mean, those guys were the board, but they also ran the day-to-day operations. And they, you know, they had at the time they had full-time jobs. They were coaching their teams, and they were trying to run an association. You know, it it wasn't obviously as big as it is now, but I mean, it was still five thousand, six thousand, eight thousand student athletes and coaches. And it's just it became so big that uh, you know I never would have taken on the role that Marshall had. I, mean, I could just see it just it wore him out it stressed him out like trying to take on that responsibility himself and do his other things it was it was too much so we you know probably the smartest thing we ever did as the ACHA is we just decided that we were going to hire a full-time employee 
And, uh, you know, when we did that, it took a lot of pressure off the board and it kind of moved the board away from the day-to-day operations to more of an oversight committee, which is, which is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take the board completely out of the spotlight and, um, you know, just have the board there if something goes wrong or if we need to hire a new executive director or a new director of hockey ops or a new communications director, you know? Yeah, um, please. That guy's a boob. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we... You know, it just it took some time to figure out what we wanted to do, and it, we knew what we wanted to do. We just figured out how we were going to sell it to the membership and 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 how we were going to pay for it ultimately. And ultimately, it's it comes down to raising play, you know player dues and team fees and stuff like that. And that that's always a challenge because you have to be able to justify, you know, why you're you're charging an extra hundred dollars. And you know, at, at the end of the day, if you want the association to grow and you want it to be you know this this thing that we all think it can be you know, at some point you're going to have to move into more of a full-time staff where people are managing the day to day. There's a lot of work. And, you know, our current executive director, Craig Barnett, I mean, he does a fantastic job. I mean, he's, he's on the phone all the time and he's talking to, he's probably talking to people that he shouldn't be talking to. He's taking calls from grandparents and stuff like that. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are involved and, you know, setting up a national tournament for, I don't know. What are we up to this year? CP 80 teams, 90 teams. Yeah. It's insane. Um, it's insane. And the, the logistics and the meeting, you know, with, with the, the, the commissions and the, the hotels and the rink managers. And, you know, you set these things up so far in advance, two, three, four years in advance. And, and, you know, when we were dealing with Dallas, like you could be there and you could have this great relationship established with, you know, what, what we did with the Dallas stars. And then the next year, everybody's gone. Like you have to start all over again, but you've already set that ball in motion where you're going to Dallas and you kind of have to reestablish these relationships a lot. So that's, that's exhausting, you know, and, uh, as you know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, I, I think the best thing, well, a couple of things. Number one, I think your best, uh, attribute is something that you talked about earlier is you, you, you play the politic game very, very well. And you recognize that you know, it's better to, you know, kind of stay down the middle, stay in the center and not get too left and not get too right, not get too far onto the either, either side and not try to do too much too quick. That I think was my issue, my problem. Um, and and you knew that, you knew that. Yeah. I I know that was my issue. (laughs) I I know that was my issue. And, 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 but you also, you have a knack for getting, you know, very politic. You get along with a lot of folks and, but I also like the what what you talked about the the thing and and maybe this is the thing that you're the most proud of as as the president is getting the executive director and shifting those day to day duties from the board members themselves to a staff, if you will, and a full time staff that that basically manages and like you say you're more of an in an oversight role, if you will. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Craig is, Craig has just done a great job. I mean, you know, we, we got to give, uh, got to give Mike Wally, the original, ex, uh, first executive director, got to give him credit. He's the one who fought up the, this notion of nationals, all, all divisions all at once, but, Absolutely. uh, Craig has taken it to a, uh, to a different level. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a challenge. I mean, it's not just show up and play. I mean, it, and it's a challenge getting the sites to, to kind of agree to do what you really want to do, but it's also a challenge within your own, Association. I mean, we've got teams and we've got certain teams in certain divisions, and you know who I'm talking about that we'll complain about no matter where you go. <laughs> you yes. Put it yes. 
find that it's not starting on a certain date or it's not starting at a certain time or, you know, I mean, it's, you're always going to hear from those people. And I think at some point, you know, you just have to look out what's best for the entire association. I, I know like going to Dallas was a big sticking point for a lot of people, unless you're from the West, right? So some people expect the teams from the West to travel to the East every year. They don't care. They, they just know that they'll have to figure it out and they'll get there. Well, why is it okay for the, the teams from the West to have to come to the East to play in the Nationals all the time? Why, why not go out West and try to grow the ACHA and see different places? I know as a player and I know as a coach, the best tournaments that we would go to that our players really wanted to go to were the Anaheims, were the Utahs, were the Colorado States, were, you know, those, those places that these kids have never been to. And those were the best tournaments. Those were the ones that we had the most fun with. You know, it was kind of the, you know, as a coach, you'd go through the elation of, okay, we qualified for the national tournament in Anaheim, say. And then the next day you'd be, okay, you'd start calling around to the airlines because then you would have to call the airlines. You couldn't go online. And now you're looking at, okay, now we have to figure out how we're going to raise twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to get these players out there. And you had to do it in a really short time. Um, but you know what? The players, they wanted it and they all figured out how to do it. You know, they would go to their schools, they would go to their student council, they would they would sit down in front of the presidents, they would talk to anybody that, that they, they thought they needed to talk to to help them get the money. You know what, Chris? They always, always came up with a solution and they always figured out how to get it done. And I think a lot of these coaches that complain about, oh, I haven't spent money, like, you're missing the opportunity. The, the players, this is, this is what they want. I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience anyway. They want to go to the places. They want to see Dallas. They want to see Utah. They want to see Anaheim. They want to go to San Jose. They want to see these different places. The coaches may not want to do that because they know logistically it's a challenge for them, but players always figure it out. And I think that's a life lesson. That's that's a skill that these players need. You know, It's a valuable skill that they pick up in college. Like, Not everything's going to be easy. Not everything's going to be handed to you. And at some point, you're going to have to make these, these decisions, and you're going to have to figure out how to raise money. And they they always seem to figure it out. Um, they they always find a way to get there, don't they? They sure do, and I, I think that's valuable. That's a valuable experience for the players. So that's that's my take, and I, I I like rotating it around. I know D you know D one they like things a little bit differently because where they're you know where their locations of their school are, and I and I understand that you know and but I think at the end of the day the players always get it figured out. I I wouldn't mind you know. I think one of the from my days of traveling around with the team, the games. You know, you you don't remember whether you won or lost. You remember the experience, the travel, the what you saw, where you were, and those are the things that stand out in your in your memory banks. And you, I don't remember if we won or lost at Weber State, but I know that flying into Salt Lake City, we had a great time, and we had yeah. a you know I I know that. I, I don't know if we won or lost going to Minot, but I remember, you know, the experience of going to Minot. Same with going to Rochester, New York, or, you know, driving all the way to Delaware. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you don't remember, you know, the game outcomes, but you remember the trip and you remember, you know, being in places that you'll, you may never, ever go. You, you wouldn't have gone there to begin with, yep. you know, if not for hockey. So I, I yep. totally get what you're saying. And I, I think it's, you're right. Some of the coaches, that's kind of the frustrating thing, right? Is that some of the coaches put, put their interest ahead of the, uh, ahead of the students. And some of the coaches, you know, don't, don't recognize that this is part of the experience for the students. Um, but 
you know, it's also uh, part of what we deal with in the ACHA on a daily basis, right? Yep. Trying to put the uh, the greater good ahead of the, you know, what's good for my team. That's always the, the difficult um, uh, challenge for a lot of folks is to see, hey, this might not benefit my team, but it's going to benefit the organization as a whole, and that rising tide is going to float all the boats, not just right. mine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, very good. We flew in as, you know, I was coaching and we flew into Salt Lake City. It was late at night. It was really dark. We, you know, we got on, we rented our vans and we drove down to the hotel. And I remember like the next morning, you know, we, I, I was up cause I'm always up before everybody. Anyway, I was up and I could watch the, the players come down for breakfast and they, you know, looking outside and they could, they saw the mountains for the first time, you, you know, in Salt Lake, you're just surrounded by mountains. Yep. And the looks on their faces, they just, you know, they, they, they couldn't believe it. So, I mean, when you have experiences like that, you know, it's just, um, it makes it, it, it makes the, the, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the word begging for money or whatever, but figuring out how to come up with the funds to get, get your program there, that that's a win in itself. And, you know, what they were able to experience while in Salt Lake City, you know, we, you know, we wound up making the semis, but, you know, you're there for a few extra days, you know, you go up into the mountains, you go to Park City, you go see the Olympic venues, you, there's all kinds of things that you can do. And, you know, you just, you just decide whether you're going to take advantage of them or not. And, and you know, you move from there. So. Yep. Great experience. And those kids will, uh, will remember it for the rest of their lives. They still talk about it, you know, the, you know, the events that happened and the things that they did and, you know, they still talk about it, you know. 25 years later <laughs> so. all right well hey other than the the size of the ACHA because it's grown we're, we're at 450 plus odd teams in the ACHA now what's what's been the thing that's most surprised you or most changed from from your perspective about the ACHA from when you first got into now other than just the size and the you know the general yeah. beast that that the organization itself has become yeah I, well, I mean you look at the 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 teams that are, that are there now, like and when, when I was involved in coaching and playing and, you know, even early, early years of GMing, it was, it was the, the same teams pretty much that were dominating, you know, and then every so often these new teams would come along the Davenports and, you know, and now it just seems like everybody that was dominant at that time, Oakland and Davenports and, you know, uh, Michigan and Michigan States and Indiana's and those teams were like, regulars at national terms like they you don't see them anymore at the national terms very rarely like the whole thing is kind of flipped upside down and there's this, this whole new batch of teams that are in there that that seemingly come out of nowhere you know you marry is a perfect example I mean, that program is is they're on fire i mean and what they were able to do in such a short period of time i mean it's super impressive um you know, and it just seems like every so often there's another you marry that comes along, you know, and teams that you schools that you've never heard of, um, you know, jumping into the ACHA and putting these super competitive teams on the ice. It's just it's awesome to watch. And, you know, I know, you know, they, they seem like just talking about you marry for a little. I mean, they've won the last two nationals at D2 and they, they, they you know, they were they were pushed pretty hard last year in the finals by by Florida. You know, one of those new teams that came along back in the day and kind of was the Mary before Mary, um, you know, they, they pushed them pretty hard that they're, they're Florida probably has been one of the most consistent teams in terms of, you know, showing up at national tournaments and how they do. And, but it's just exciting to see all these new teams just pop up out of nowhere, you know, these, the Adrians and the, and the, and the Lindenwoods and Aurora's and, you know, all these new schools that, 
you know, we just didn't, we never heard of, you know, 20 years ago. Um, they're now super relevant in the ACHA and, and they're doing super well. And I, I know Mary's jumping up next year um, to one of your leagues. I don't know if it's your A league or your B league, but, um, you know, I'm pretty excited to see what they're going to do um, when, they, when they get up there. Yeah, yeah, they're they're going to join the B conference, uh, Midwest College Hockey, and come on, I mean, Mary's probably going to be a, a top five, top ten team when they join Men's Division One. They've defeated, you know, Minot State, which is currently the number one team in ACHA D one, and they only have one loss this season. It's to University of Mary. So, kind of wild. Yeah, yeah, no, and and, and you know they haven't uh, they. I mean, looking at the scores, they don't seem like they're as dominant this year in the D2, but, you know, I could be wrong. I know they have a couple of losses within within the Division Two, and um, I know they – I think they maybe dropped a couple at D1, but that's a program that's only going to get better. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. I mean, that's Davenport, you know, of, of you know – 20 years ago i mean davenport ran through d2 but i think they won it four years in a row and they jumped up to d1 and they won it the d1 the very next year so you know it, it it's 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 exciting to see when that happens and i think there's another team at d2 that did that as well i think oakland did it as well um yep. where they ran through d2 and then they jumped up and they actually wound up knocking off penn state in the final so they sure did but, yeah, turnover i mean there's there's just so much going on and you know the programs that have consistent staffing, I think, is helps. Um, you know, when the schools buy into what the programs are doing, it, it certainly helps. Um, but you know, any, like anything, you get turnover to school, you get turnover in the staff. Things can go up, things can go down, and um, yeah, it makes things kind of exciting. So. That's the yeah. That's just the tenuous nature of the ACHA, right? One person leaving a program can make or break whether that program, you know carries on at their uh, same level or if they just falter back and uh, stumble into uh, you know close to irrelevancy but right. but but I, I get exactly what you're talking about the ACHA I, I never heard of Oakland University until my team played them and you know heck I when I heard Oakland I was like California I didn't know they had hockey in California and then come <laughs> to find out it's, it's in Michigan Look at Assiniboine. Assiniboine. I've never would have heard of Assiniboine before. I didn't even know there was a college there, but they're dominant at women's division at the women's two level. Um, the same thing with Lakehead at the time when they were dominant at division two. I'd never heard of Lakehead College, you know, or, uh, you know, Liberty. Liberty is a perfect example. And heck, they've got, you know, five teams at one at each level, and they're pretty darn good at all those levels. Yeah. So, yeah. Crazy, but crazy of a school that's really bought into the program and they're they have that consistency in place where they're a lot of the the funding is secured through the school and the the, the administrative support i mean that makes a big difference you know and yep. i think that's kind of really what helps separate a lot of the teams and i i think if more teams could get the support from the school the consistent support from the school i think it would help you know certain programs maintain um but that's that's always been the challenge and you know, whether you like the word club or not or non-varsity, it's it's irrelevant. I mean, it is what it is, and we are who we are. I mean, the only thing we can do is change, you know, what we're putting on the ice and how we're looking and, and, and our, you know, our academic standards. And um, I think people are starting to see, and, I, and they have for a while, and I know Craig has been a big reason why, but they're starting to see the ACHA, and they a lot of them know it's a viable option for them. And, you know... I think we all as kids growing up have that, you know, that 
NCAA Division One or bust, and then it kind of slides down to the NCAA Division Three, and then it's okay. What what else is out there, you know? But I think that's changed now. I think I think coaches are legitimately competing against NCAA Division Three coaches in terms of bringing in talent and players, and and I think that's that's probably been one of the biggest changes. And you know, when they're going to these junior showcases, and you know, they're they're they have a seat at the table and. Um, they're seen as legitimate programs, and I think that's important. And that's that's what it is. I mean, you it doesn't matter. I mean, like club just says you get your your funding from a different source, right? So it comes from student activities or whatever else, or maybe you don't have funding. But I think there's a lot of value in the way clubs, the way the schools want clubs to operate in terms of getting the students more involved in the day to day and letting them see the numbers and, and working through these problems and, 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 you know, ultimately putting the team out on the ice that, that can represent the school. And, uh, it's, it's kind of exciting, you know, it's, the kids don't have things handed to them, you know, they have to work for it. And I think as a result, they, they, they maybe tend to appreciate it a little bit more. That's the hope, right? I mean, they're true student athletes who are pl- playing literally for the love of the game because they have to pay to play for the love of the game. Yeah. In some cases, yeah, yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah, that's the beauty of the ACHA, right? And I and I 100% agree with what you're saying. We're getting more and more as a, a viable option, and it's the word is getting out there. A lot of that's due to Craig. A lot of that's just due to the fact that, you know, we get out there and we, you know, put on, you know, whether it's through your leadership or through the leadership of the people that, that are underneath you, you know, the ACHA is no longer – you know, let's uh, all pile into a cargo van and, you know, drive through the night with a keg of beer and show up and go play hockey, right? It's legitimate, it's organized, and it's, um, you know, it's 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 uh, it's the real deal. It's real college hockey. Um, and like you say, the only, you know, no, misnomer, if you will, is club business. It's like you said, where's, where does your funding come from? Does it come from the school? Does it come from somewhere else? But it's the same. It's great competitive college hockey. Right. Hey, let's talk about um, the ACHA going to the World Cup of University Hockey. You've talk, talk, Paul, talk about this. I know that you've fostered a relationship with a couple of guys over there in Europe. They created the EUHL, which is what the European Union Hockey League, something like that. European University Hockey League. Yep, correct. So how how did how did you get involved with that? Because I know that's a big passion of of yours. How did you get involved with those guys? I know that you've brought them over to Naples a couple of times to go to the annual meetings at the ACHA, and Still now we're yeah now we're going to Romania in a couple of months. Yeah, so we were. Well, I, I said earlier that uh, you know Mike Rodakovich and I we started sending teams over to Europe. Uh, I think in 2007 was the first year that we sent the team over there and we were doing it through, we, we hired a company over there that would go around and find teams. And it was always difficult because we never really knew what level we were getting. And the time of the year that we went over there was right after Christmas between new years and, you know, after new years. And that was a difficult time for us to, to go over there. Well, because the Europeans are all on vacation, they're always on vacation, but (laughs) for us to go over there and get to line up teams to play, uh, during that time, because that was our holiday vacation. And, um, a lot of the teams we were playing were, were semi-pro teams. So the players would come from different countries and they would go home for the week and teams were always short staffed and, you know, the fans never really bought into it. Well, some cases they did. And, it became very difficult. So we were, we were always looking for new 
new teams to play. And we went, you know, the first three times we went over there, I think we went undefeated until, you know, so we were looking, we were essentially looking for teams that would beat us. Um, so we, we were doing a site visit and we ran into a guy uh, from Slovakia by the name of Ivan Matusak. And he said, you know, there's, there's, there's these guys that are trying to start this European university hockey league and they're out of Slovakia as well. And I'd love to introduce you to them. And, so that's kind of how we've got introduced and they were just starting. I think they started in 2013 and they maybe had eight to nine teams pretty much around Slovakia. Uh, they had a couple of teams in Australia or not Austria. Australia would be nice, but um, <laughs> some teams in Poland and uh, the Czech Republic and they were kind of bouncing around and um, they got going, they got going pretty good. So we said, okay, well, let's, let's hook up with these guys and, um, they understood what we were doing. Um, they understood our level. They were able to arrange the games for us at times that we wanted to play in cities where we wanted to be. And it made the whole touring of it a lot easier. We could go from point A to point B to point C. And, you know, in the past where we just kind of had to take whatever we could get. So it might be going from point A to point D and then back to B and over the, you know, so we were all over the place just trying to get games. So this, it made it a lot easier for us, um, and actually, it was a lot cheaper for us in terms of doing our own transport. They helped us out with transportation. They, you know, they helped us out uh, with with food. They helped us out with accommodations, and it just made things a lot easier for us. And for them, what they were looking for was was some legitimacy. Um, their funding comes from the EU. Uh, EU has a bunch of different programs, the, the European Union, and they their funding, they have to go and they have to apply for money. And this is what we're doing. And they have to go before the EU parliament, actually, and they have to talk about what they want to do and why they want to do it and how much money they need to do it and what the benefits are. And so for them, having a memorandum with the ACJ, and you know, you 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 helped work up the, 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 the contract that we signed with them as it was when they when they walked into the, you know, the European parliament to present you know, for their budget, you know, having a memorandum that said they were partners with the ACHA just gave them an extra layer of credibility, which helped actually secure a lot of their funding for them. So we've, we've always done, you know, we've, we've worked together. And then I think in 2017, we, we actually started the first world cup, which was in Slovakia. We had three teams. It was an ACHA team, an EUHL team. And, at the time, it was a, a team from the Russian Student Hockey League, uh, which we actually f- signed a trilateral agreement with Russia. I'm not sure where that all is today. but um, So it was a three-team tournament, which kind of made it difficult, but we sandwiched a bunch of other games around it, or we sandwiched that tournament with other games. Um, we knew that was the direction that we kind of wanted to move in. We knew we couldn't really have a tournament with teams. So we decided that we were going to move away from the, you know, the ACHA, the EUHL, and, and and the Russian Student Hockey Federation, and we were going to do more of a national thing. So we had ACHA, we had USA, we had, they had Czech, they had Canada, they had uh, not Canada, they had uh, Slovakia, they had um, Poland, and they had Russia. So we had enough countries that we could actually put on a, a you know, a proper tournament. And um, you know, fast forward to. February of, of last year and, you know, Russia all of a sudden doesn't want to play nice with the world and, you know, now we're down a team. So um, 
we had to look for other ways to get other teams. So that's how the ACHA Team Canada was, was you know, that's how that evolved. We said, well, we can, if we're going to do a World Cup style tournament, it's it's hard to sell it if you don't have Canada there. Um, we don't really have a partnership or anything with Canada or Hockey Canada. U Sport, not interested in, in doing something like that. So, um you know, the idea was formed that we could take, we have plenty of Canadian players. I think we have over 500 male Canadian players in the ACHA. So we decided, well, we'll, we'll form a Team Canada ACHA. And uh, and that's what we've done. And it's, it's so far so good. It's um, I know they're, both teams are working, finalizing their staffs now. So that's pretty exciting. Um, it should be fun. And it's, it's, there's a lot of logistics involved. I mean, we sent a lot of teams over, single teams. I've never sent two teams over, so it's it's a bit of a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I imagine it's a bit of a challenge, but it also, you know, things worth doing uh, aren't easy, right? Or else everybody would be doing it. So this is, I think it's kind of cool. You know, the World Cup University Hockey, two teams from the ACHA, one representing the U.S., one representing uh, Canada, and they're going to be in different pools or different, uh, what, eight, there's six, six other teams, so two pools of four. Canada's right. on one side, America's on the other side. Yeah. Um, and they're going to Romania. Tell me about Romania, because when I hear Romania, I think of Dracula, and I think of old castles, and... Yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard you know Craig, you heard it. Um, Craig said on on his thing that Bucharest is just beautiful and awesome. Yeah. So, so I mean, I have a lot of experience in Europe though, so let's just keep that in mind. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, hey, that's that that's fair. I mean, because I've I've never been, but I've I know that you've been over to Europe quite a bit. So you know, sell us on Romania for a bit. Yeah. So uh, one of the teams in 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 in. Um, the EUHL is a, a team um, in Romania, Carta. Um, it's called the Seclar region of, of of Romania, which is part of Transylvania. And if you know any history, it's it, uh, well, ironically. So uh, let me back up, and I'll, I'll I'll get into that at some other point. But um, they they there's a guy there that runs that team that's part of the EUHL that that is a sports director at this campus pro they have this rink they have a beautiful brand new uh health and wellness complex a tied a tied to it they just built this beautiful dorm um with, with with the restaurants and all kinds of i mean it's just a really really neat little place um and ironically it's it's while it's in romania it's all funded by the hungarian government um and 90 percent of the people in in where we're going speak hungarian okay they buy as hungarian they vote in hungarian uh you know elections so it's for me i was i was always trying to figure out why what's going on how's that what why why is hungary investing in another country and then come to find out you know this region was part of the the hungarian empire once upon a time um prior to world war one and world war two uh, Hungary uh, chose the wrong side, I guess, on both both occasions, and they lost a lot of, a lot of land as a result. But I think the Hungarian government still sees that region as their people, their their land, and they're still investing in these in these these facilities for their people, um, and and they're doing it with 
seven other countries, Croatia, Slovakia, Slovenia, Ukraine. Um, so if you look at a map, you know, where the, the old Hungarian empire is, you can see where it overlays, you know, the, the current countries and that's where they're throwing a lot of money into. So okay. take, that, take from that what you will, but it was interesting, you know, cause I, you know, anytime I go to meet somebody, I try to learn a little bit of the language. So I, I learned the, you know, how to say hello in, in Romania. And he's like, that's not going to do you any good where we're going. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> and then trying to learn Hungarian is, is virtually impossible. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, so, uh, you know, so it's, you know, you go into Bucharest. Um, it's an older city. Some people describe it as a little gritty. And um, it's, you know, it, it's a it's a typical, typical Euro- European city. Uh, well, maybe not typical, but. Uh, we, we had a quick time there and then we drove four hours north, um, over the Carpathian mountains and down through the valleys and into this small, small, when I say small, I mean, small, tiny village of Carta where this facility is. Um, and, and, you know, it's like going, it's like going back in time, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. Uh, the farmers are out there, you know, using hand tools, farming their land and, they're they're driving around, uh, you know, on wagons, you know, pulled by horses. Um, so it's it's gonna be interesting when our players show up there and and see how they you see their reaction when they pull into a you know this old old village, if you will. Um, it's just in, in a beautiful area, but it's gonna be it's gonna be unique, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Now, will the teams be staying in Carta, or will they be staying yeah. at a, a local place, or or? Or are they in this village, huh? Yeah, all eight teams are because they they have these these dorm facilities. I think um, six of the teams, I believe, will be staying in the dorms. The dorms are that big and they're nice. They're they're brand new. They're beautiful. Um, and then the U.S. and the Canada team will be staying at a hotel, which is right next to that. So everything's within walking distance. Everything's close. So once they get there, they'll you know they'll. They can go watch any game. They can they can do what they need to do. It's not like they you know they have to take a bus to get back to the arena to see other other events. So nice, it'll be interesting. you know it'll be interesting. There's not there's 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 things to do that you know that that they can do. But you know as you know when 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 these teams get playing and they're playing every day, you know it's it's about sleep and it's about nutrition and it's about rest and getting ready for the game and there's not a lot of downtime so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that sounds like it's going to be a, a cool trip. Now you're bringing what uh, twenty two players each, is it? And then you yeah, have a staff of ten. Three, yeah. So each there's three coaches per team. We've got a team doctor going over, Rasty McGibbon, who'll do who's actually a Canadian and a U.S. So he'll do both. Uh, Al Murdoch's going over as the academic advisor, which we think is very important. Um, a lot of these kids will still be in school at the time, so we want to make sure that. They're coordinating with their professors, and their professors are coordinating with Al. So if there's any tests or assignments or anything that need to be done, Al will proctor those, and he'll take care of any of the, the academics. So we want to make sure that the schools are comfortable sending their players um, you know, away for such a long time. Uh, we, we want them to understand that you know, these, these, these are student-athletes, and their responsibility is to the school still, and they still they still you know, they have to take care of their academic responsibilities so we're going to we're going to do everything we can to make sure that they're they're doing what they need to do to, to to be part of the classes or take the exams or whatever they need to do so that was important for us as well and Al being a professor at Iowa State I think he's still there um 
he has some experience with that. I know he's he's done that in the past with the World University Games uh, teams as well. So um, we're fortunate enough that you know the technology is what it is today, where the kids you know, can go and sit in the cafeteria and get on their computer and go to class. So that's that's important. It makes things a lot easier in terms of getting away from class or from university for so long. So. Yeah, I don't know if I was a student nowadays, if I'd like that. You know, I kind of like the idea of getting away and not having to worry about school. But, um, yeah. This... We want excuse, you know. We don't want to say, you know, we want the kid to fell out because he's, you know, in, in, in Carter, Romania for 10 days, you know. so I hear you. I hear you. They have the opportunity to uh, continue with their, their academics while they're in Romania, and we fully expect that they'll be doing that. So You've you've been around Europe uh, quite a bit with hockey teams. What's the uh, what's what's the best destination that you've ever brought a hockey team to? Uh, hockey team, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, or or if, or if just what's the you know what's the best destination you've been to? Uh, there, there's a, there's a lot of places. I mean, it, it's hard to beat Prague, you know, and um, it's not maybe not the best hockey experience. Some of the best hockey experiences we've ever had in terms of fan support and crowds, and you know, have been in Russia. Um, you know, we the kids would play in front of packed houses, you know, and you know, there's the first game they opened up against a Russian team in Barnall, Siberia. You know, there's five thousand fans there, and it was it was the atmosphere was was just electric for the players, and I. And I know, like they, they're, they're, they were sitting on that blue line, and I, could, and I was watching them, and they were like, "What are we doing? Like this is this is the craziest thing we've probably ever have done in our lives." And those experiences, you know, and and having that, and having your national anthem played in front of you know five thousand Russian fans, it's, it's it's pretty special, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean those those experiences are are you know they're, they're great. I mean it's a lot of the small towns that we go into that that have great fan support that that are really neat. You know, we've gone into Germany. Sontofen, Germany is a little place. I think it's the southernmost part of Germany. And it's just a kind of a hybrid rink where it's kind of indoor, kind of outdoor. Um, you know, I think they're, they were in the third division in Germany and the fan support and the flags and the, you know, the cooking of the sausages inside the arena with smoke and everything. It was just a cool atmosphere, you know. And, <laughs> you know, we've played outdoor rinks in, in you know in austria and uh it was cold and you know there's just a lot of unique opportunities you know and it's 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 not in so much about the games it's about we always try to arrange dinners with the teams that we play after so they can have some interaction with the with the other teams and we try to stay in an area you know for a couple of days so they can get out and explore and experience the culture the food and, and you know kind of get as much as much as they can out of, you know, where we're not just blowing into a town and leaving the next day, you know, or that, that same day, sometimes it happens, but you know, it's been, val it's, it's been very valuable for our players, I think. Um, and you know, a lot of the kids it's for me, it's, 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 I, I enjoy getting to know them, like going down the street and, you know, running into them at a cafe and they're trying to order a coffee and they can't get it figured out, but watching them, figure it out is to me is exciting. And then, you know, sitting down and talking with them and, and finding out, you know, what their thoughts are. Hey, what do you think? Like, what do you like about the ACHA? What do you not like about the ACHA? These are things that we, I wish we did a better job as the ACHA of, of actually finding out what our student athletes really want, what really matters to them. And I think, I know Craig has plans to do that, 
but we typically hear from the coaches and maybe what the coaches want isn't necessarily what the players want. Um, so I think, I know Craig has plans for that and I, it got derailed a little bit with COVID. And I think at some point, once we get our feet back underneath us a hundred percent, then I think he'll probably move in that direction where we'll do some, well, I'll, I'll let Craig announce that, but you know, I, I, that's the goal anyway. Hey, what matters to you? What doesn't matter to you? Yeah. Yeah. Are we totally going in the wrong direction? You know, and the, that that feedback for me is important. But I know, like, I see a lot of coaches now that went on those trips. And I think we always talk about when, when we get the players together, we talk about, you know, giving back at some point. Like the ACHA and your team and your school and your parents have have provided you with this opportunity Hopefully at some point you'll, you'll, you know, pay it forward and you'll give back. You'll spend a year or two helping out your coach, um, you know, whether it be going on the ice for one week, you know, one day a week practice, helping out any way you possibly can to make the player's experience better or the same as what you had. And I enjoy that. And to me, that's, that's you know, that's why I, I, I a big part of the reason why I stay around and I do it. Um. But, I, you know, at, at this at this job, you know, at this, at, you know, being on the board or the director of the board or whatever you want to call me, it's sometimes you get caught up in a lot of the nonsense. And I don't enjoy that so much, but um, usually the good outweighs the bad, you know. Yep. 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 I hear you. Hey, listen, we've got two questions and then we'll get you out of here. Um, from a, from a presidential point of view, from an ACHA point of view, where, where do you want to see the ACHA? I know this is an election year. You're going to run unopposed. No one's going to challenge El Presidente. So where do you see the, uh, where do you want to see the ACHA in five, 10 years from now? Well, I mean, I'd like to see, I'd like to be able to convince our membership that, that we need more help, that, that, that the executive director, Craig Barnett is doing a fantastic job and he's got some people, but we have one full-time person running an association that's 10,000 plus student athletes. And I don't know, what do we have? 1500, 2000 coaches. It's a huge job and people get caught up so much with, you know, raising dues and, you know, we can't afford to do it. I mean, at some point you can't afford not to do it. You know, you can't, you can't expect the association to run at, at, at a high, high level and not provide, you know, that association the necessary tools to keep that, that, that association moving in the right direction. Um, the board is our, the board that we have now, and, and don't take this wrong, because I think it's the best board we've ever had. I think all the people on the board get it. You know, they, they understand from Jimmy Martin, who does the, 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 the finances, who's fantastic, to Paul Loud and to Ashley Harper, uh, Ken Deming, Dave Jurassic, uh, Gordy Scheffler. And I don't know if I'm missing anybody, but they all do a fantastic job. They, they understand the role of the board. Now they're, they, they're not there to run the day to day. They're there to support, uh, our current administration, which is basically Craig Barnett and, and, you know, others, but, you know, and they'll jump in as needed, but it's a great board and they're very thoughtful. And, and if they need, if they want, if, if we need help, if we have a problem or if we have something we need to discuss, then they're all over it. But it's been good for them where they don't have to do the day-to-day either. So I, I'm, I'm very happy with this current board, um, you know, and hopefully they all decide that they're going to stay again and, and run again. And if not, I certainly understand. Um, but 
we need we need to get more help. We need to figure out a way to get Craig and staff more help. Yeah. You know, the, the thing I want to say is like if Craig leaves, you know, or Craig gets the the what, he, what if he gets hit by a bus, what's what what do we have in place where we can continue on uh, without missing a beat? And the answer is we don't have that right now. Every, it, would, it would then essentially fall back onto the board and we would have to scramble and, and kind of get involved. I don't want to do that. The board doesn't want to do that. So we need to figure out a way to sell to our membership why we need more staffing um, and, and, you know, sell, sell the, the reasons like, okay, this is, this is why, this is what we need. This is what we want to do. And this is what it's going to cost. Now, some teams will be, yeah, no problem. Other teams will be like, nope, can't do it. Can't go up 50 cents, you know, and, and that's just where we are. And, you know, you run the risk of losing membership. And, you know, if you raise too much, I mean, we, our dues, we try to keep our dues as consistent as possible from year to year. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that. And any dues increases have been as, a, you know, have been because we wanted to hire a full-time person. And I think anybody that, that knows Craig or that, that, has dealt with that uh, that executive director like they understand that yeah we definitely need that but we he also needs an assistant he also needs you know he needs a, more of a staff I mean we have commissioners running Brian Moran has been around forever I mean he's just, he's he does an unbelievable job but you know he's he's paid less than part time you know and there are people that that we keep leaning on that we keep relying on you know to do these jobs but you know at some point you know, they, they need to get paid, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe, maybe people want to keep it as a volunteer run association. I don't know. I, I just think we're too big at this point, Chris, to, to, to be continuing down that road um, where we don't have full-time staff. Yeah. Yeah. Or in, in too big to uh, think that we're, it can be run effectively by one, maybe two people. Um, exactly. Yeah. It, who are working, you know, half of them are working, you know, late at night after they're getting home and doing their uh, regular job and uh, yeah. dealing with their home life. They're, you know, spending the time between, you know, eight and two in the morning working on ACHA stuff, burning, you know, their candles at both ends. So I, right. I, I totally get it. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, your 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 challenge there obviously is, you know, you're just trying to you're going to get the people that are sitting there in and I've run into it. They've, you know, they said it about uh, about a couple of us. Uh, you know, they're just trying to line their own pockets. And you're like, "No, no. You don't understand the time commitment that goes in that's involved in this thing. It's it eats up a lot of your time." So I totally totally get it. But it's worth it, you know, and if it wasn't worth it, I wouldn't be doing it. Um I still see the benefits. I still, th for me, I still, I still get enjoyment out of it. I, you know, I, I hope that we're moving in a direction that, you know, that the, 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 the people that started at the Marshalls and the Joe Batistas and the Owls, I mean, I, I hope they're, they're happy with the direction that the ACHA is moving. I, I mean, I, I don't think they ever envisioned that it would be where it is today, you know, 20, 30, you know, 35 years ago. Um, but it just happened. It's like, it's, you know, we use the analogy a lot. It's, it's the boiling the frog, right? It's, you know, it's, <laughs> you're in the water and all the heat just gets turned up a little and a little. And next thing you know, you're boiling, but you know, you, you take somebody new and you try to put them in that water and it's, it's really hard, you know, but. Yep. All right. Last question. We'll get you out of here. Marlboro is coming up soon. We're all going to the new England sports center for nationals. You uh -huh. are, you're the guy that provides all the signage and all that kind of goody stuff to brand everything. ACHA. What can uh, folks expect when we walk into the new England sports center? 
Yeah, I, don't, I didn't do that last year uh, in St. Louis. They, we we went in house. We we used to get a lot of that stuff out of China. We had a pretty good connection, and it was cheap, and they were reliable, and they you know in in, in Dallas and um, Columbus, uh, they were very reliable. And then you know COVID hit, and things became very unreliable. And so we moved to a company out of Michigan, a little bit more money, but it's good to have it on this side of the pond. Um, they're a little bit more expensive, but we, we have that guarantee that we can actually get the stuff on time. And if we need something or if something's not done properly, we can get it done the next day. Um, so that's important. So yeah, that, that, that was one of the things I was kind of happy to get rid of. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they did a good job last year in St. Louis. I mean, Craig did all those championship banners for all the teams, which is awesome. Um, you know, that, that lines of the rinks now wherever we go. So, um, that helps a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't know who did, uh, I don't know who did St. Louis. I, I, I want to say Dave Kurtz had somebody do it. Um, but yeah, I was happy to be out of that. I was very stressful because a lot of the, a lot of the teams we didn't know, you know, two weeks before. So to, to, to get a banner designed within two weeks and have it, you know, produced and shipped from China to where you needed it, it, uh, it was very stressful. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, we occasionally got some wrong, but, um, you know. It oh, happens. You know. It happens. It happens. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to going to the uh, to the New England Sports Center. Looking forward. I understand. You've been there. You've been there many yeah. times. Yep. I, I yep. understand. They got a great little uh, seafood place there, so I wouldn't mind getting some fried belly clams and uh, lobster <laughs> roll every now and then, watching hockey. Yeah, I think it's okay. I mean, I, I heard you talk to Craig about it. It's maybe a little bit overrated, but yeah. I mean. <laughs> plenty of good places to eat um i think from a fan experience i think marble will be great um if, if people haven't been there I, I think some of the rinks will be a little bit tight capacity wise i think the main bowl will be will be pretty good for you know for the finals and you know the d1 women's and men's and um i think some of the other ones are going to be challenged space wise and you know i've ever I've, I've never actually been down into the belly of a new england sports center i've toured it many times i've been there my kids have played there um but from a spectator point of view it's the the upstairs where most of the people are going to be it's i think craig described it as controlled chaos it's going to be chaotic i mean there's gonna be a ton of people in there and um there's gonna be a lot of you know you can you can it's going to be pretty neat, you know. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. it. St. Louis was pretty cool. I mean, Columbus and Dallas were great. I don't get me wrong. I enjoyed those. St. Right. Louis last year was great because it was everybody under one roof. Um, but New England, it seems like uh, Marlboro. It seems like it's going to be that on a different level because it's everybody under one roof all at the same time, not spread out over a week and a half. So I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing what it's what it's like. Yeah, my you know my concern is you know. I, I run a rink in my in my spare time, and you know, finding drivers, um, jam money drivers, and is always a challenge. So I'm I'm hopeful that they can get enough drivers there to, to maintain eight sheets of ice at the same time during the day. Um, and I, I they assure us it's not going to be an issue. Uh, you know, also officials, right? You know, you're going to have a lot of officials there at the same time. Um, so it's it's going to be a challenge. It's definitely. <laughs> Well, hey, when you're there, there's at least one Zamboni driver that they can yeah, lean on. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've had to do that, but yeah, I'd prefer not to. Gordy will be there. Hopefully, Gordy will be there as well. So Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Our, our, our one vice president who uh, is in the rink industry as well. So 
Hopefully he'll bring his sledgehammer just in case. Yeah, and if you were in Dallas, you, you saw him working on the boards and, and setting the nets properly, you know, between every period of every game. So. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Hey, listen, Paul, I can't thank you enough uh, for putting up with me, number one, but also putting up with me and pestering you to be on this uh, cheesy edition of the uh, Suboptimal WCHL podcast. Well, if you if you if you taken any clues i wouldn't be on it so. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm you know nobody ever accused me of being smart paul you know that that's why i'm Sorry. not on the board anymore <laughs> well that's smart that's, that's not yeah i don't know about that so well listen we appreciate everything that you do for the acha um i you know I, i'm not going to blow smoke up your skirt or anything uh just know that you're you know, you're one of the guys that makes things go, and, and it, your efforts are very much appreciated, at least from this dumb guy in uh, in Oklahoma. So I appreciate that. Looking forward to seeing you in uh, Marlboro, and then uh, maybe even down in Naples. Who knows? Are you going to go to Naples? You know, I might. I might. We'll see. We'll see. You know, the, the general meeting really bores the heck out of me. It's the, I, I like going to that breakout where all the sausage is made. Yeah, the general meeting was pretty quick last year, though. I don't know if you've heard. So, uh, yeah, well, it, probably because I wasn't there, so maybe I need to quit. You know, keep not showing True. up. True, and we actually had some, some, you know, some of the usual folk raise questions and present. So, and even, even, even with that, it still went pretty quickly. So, so it was good. I was actually surprised, and we ended. We actually had to get the uh, the food place uh, had to kick them in gear. Like they weren't ready with the food. So, yeah, I was surprised. Very so, nice. All right. Well, hey, thanks for being on this edition of the WCHL podcast. Paul, hang on, but uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. Hey, what do you think about that? You know, Paul Hebert, he knows what he's talking about. And, um, you know, I think it's kind of interesting. I want to uh, thank Paul for taking time. I, he's right. I did beat him up to uh, get here on the podcast for for a while now. We were supposed to have him on last week and something came up, so... This has kind of been a couple of weeks in the making. I want to thank Ryan Armstrong at Missouri State University for uh, suggesting this. I want to thank Paul Hebert, obviously, for his time uh, here on a – we recorded that on Friday morning. And so, uh, you know, he he catches a lot of guff, and uh, the board catches a lot of guff, and it's easy to give grief to the mythical ACHA board. But they're – six seven eight nine i don't know how many people are on the board these days but they're all folks that have the best interests of the acha in mind and they're doing the best that they can um and they're doing a i think they've done a great job i think paul has done a great job as the president you know um there's there's not a lot of folks out there that are qualified to do it and uh, i think he's done a damn fine job of doing it and uh, being the president and steering the uh, organization through an awful lot of turmoil, whether it's teams leaving, whether it's COVID, whether it's, you know, uh, touching negotiations with uh, partners, you know, and um, he's, he's been the, he's been the guy having the steady hand steering the ship through all these crises. He's so, uh, I don't even know if that's a word crises. He's so anyways, listen, I just want to say thanks to Paul. It sounds like an exciting time in Romania. Again, I'm glad they're going and not me. But it still sounds like an exciting time. And um, I hope that you thought that that was a little bit of, uh, that you got some insight as to, you know, the ACHA board, how it operates, what the mindset is, and kind of what's coming in the future uh, for the ACHA. And, 
you know, some of the, uh, now you've, you've heard from some of the leaders. So I think it's, uh, I hope you found it useful. I thought it was useful. And uh, anyways, listen, we appreciate you listening to the WCHL podcast. We appreciate you putting up with us. Stay safe, stay warm. We'll see you at the rink. <laughs>